From KBGA Radio and the Montana Kaiman, this is Missoula Community Weekly. I'm John Hooks. Hey, what's up, Missoula Community Weekly listener? We've got kind of a special uh, little bonus episode for you this week. Um, Ryan O'Connell of the Montana Common wrote a funny and pretty interesting cover story recently about a old and uh, at this point fairly outdated tradition here at the University of Montana where students uh, usually in different fraternity houses around campus would procure live uh, grizzly or black bear cubs and then parade them around as mascots at football games. Um, It's a pretty fun kind of bizarre little story that we thought would make a nice little podcast. So um, we just have an interview with Ryan here and uh, without much further ado, here it is. All right, so this week on Missoula Community Weekly, we've got a bit of a special episode. We've got Ryan O'Connell in here from the Montana Kaiman to talk about his cover story this week, which is about the secret history, so to speak, of the University of Montana's live bear cub mascots. Ryan, thanks for being in here today. Thanks for having myself and the bears, John. You're you're very welcome. Um, So if... Anyone listening hasn't picked up and read a copy of the Montana Kaiman yet this week. The cover story is called Please Feed the Bears, and it gets into a former tradition here at UM that I certainly was not aware of, and I think a lot of people were not aware of, um, surrounding uh, the University of Montana football team and a, a number of live bear cubs that were held captive and uh, trot out uh, for weekly football games. Ryan, I'm interested uh, to start things off. How did you find out about this archaic tradition? Um, I think just poking around on the internet, Wikipedia, kind of mascots of Monty, and then there was a little line about live bears and dove in from that. There was um, at least 17 live bears from 1904 to 1960, and they were sponsored by students, not the university itself, but so students would provide housing, food, um, chains and cages, and the bare necessities. Right. So the university, in an official capacity, had no sort of involvement with this? This was like student initiative? Yeah, it'd be uh, ASUM or um, fraternities. So where did they get all these bear cubs. I, it, it was a different time, I understand, but uh, 17 bear cubs in, in about as many years, uh, were they just floating around Missoula, or how did, they, how did they get their hands on them? A lot of different ways. Um, later in the 40s to 60s, CM Alive Zoo in Red Lodge would loan these bears, and as long as they were returned no meaner than they were given, um, <laughs> would keep giving the bears. Others had were caught in the wild or their mothers would be hit by cars, um, that sort of thing. And they would find their way to to students who would take care of them. And then eventually they would be given back um, into the wild or they would just be released in, in the rattlesnake. Right. So this zoo 
would how how long about how long would the bears be on campus for? Uh, typically September to December. Some bears went much longer into May. Right. So the zoo just sort of kind of cut a blank check. Here's a bear cub. Just bring it back in a few months. No visible signs of abuse. Yeah. Um, That's pretty much it. <laughs> all right. Um, so throughout all these uh, 17 bears, there's, I'm sure, plenty of interesting stories. What uh, were some of the favorite kind of uh, bear-related hijinks that you ran into? The first bear, Teddy, in uh, 1904, at the end of the season, was being loaded into a horse and buggy. And the horse realized, oh, wow, there's a bear behind me, and just started sprinting. The owner was thrown out of the buggy and was being dragged by the chain around the bear's neck. Oh, my God. Um, until the bear was dislodged from the buggy, and they both found themselves on the dirt road as the horse ran off into the distance. Wow. Did uh, bear and human make it out unscathed? They were, they were both fine, although the bear died that spring. Oh no, how did how did that bear die? It got sick. Uh, it died at Fort Missoula and Oh, okay. Um I found an entry where that bear was supposedly stuffed and put on display. Wow. I've not been able to find that bear. That but, specific carcass? Right. Right. Any any other uh stories jump out? Uh there was Lucky who wasn't um Lucky was a bit of an escape artist, and she got away from her handlers, slipped the, uh, slipped the collar. Eventually, she was lassoed by a, by a um, man named Frog Demers. Frog? Frog Demers, uh, with a Canadian history. <laughs> Roped her in, and she was put back under lock and key, and her collar was tightened, so she couldn't slip out. Um, Oh, she had a, she had an escape problem. Right, right. Um, although two days later, she escaped again into the afterlife when she snapped her neck. She's from the uh, overly tight collar. Right, right, right. So that this uh, incident, especially, I think, begs the question: What kind of conditions were could these bears expect when they're forked over to UM students? Um, you know, I don't think any of the students. It wasn't uh, sadistic. No one wanted to hurt the bears, but a lot of the bears would be kept in cages or dorm rooms or basements. Um, they weren't necessarily let out very often, some of them. Um, later on, like in the 50s and 60s, the bears would be walked around the oval, for instance, mm. exercised. Okay. But um, earlier on, the bears wouldn't see the light of day. Right, this was before the Endangered Species Act, of course. So a lot, lot of yeah. protections for these animals. A lot of them would just go to the games and then back home. Yeah, and uh, where where would their home be? Uh, fraternity houses, usually. Okay. Or um, Fort Missoula sometimes. Um, they were... Their, the food wasn't necessarily what you would give a bear now, which would be um, lots of fruits and vegetables mm -hmm. and a special bear kibble that has a lot of protein in it. Right. There was a lot of candy, um, and it's dining scraps. Candy's not good for bears. Candy's not good for bears, no. Uh, they need a lot more nutrition than that. Were they uh, ever kept over the winter? Were they able to hibernate in these frat houses? Um, 
Fessy could not hibernate. Fessy was having a hard time um, hibernating. There's a lot of noise and light. Um, a bear doesn't necessarily need to hibernate. Um, but Fessy didn't, and it was costing the fraternity a lot in food mm-hmm. uh, monetarily. Right. So they eventually... Um, Fessy eventually ran away, actually, um, on Aber Day in the spring. Wow. Unknown if the fraternity had anything to do with that. A lot of escape attempts, it seems like, for these bears. They didn't really want to be hauled up in these frat houses. <laughs> One could infer. Um, so what kind of brought about the end of this tradition? What replaced live bears with uh, Monty, as we know and love him now today? Some of the later bears were on loan from Fish and Game. Um, employees over the summer would then have a bear that was orphaned and would take mm-hmm. care of it. And Fish and Game, different ideologies realizing, you know, maybe students at colleges shouldn't be taking care of bears um, for the bear's own good. Right. And from then on, there was um, there was no mascots for a while until we started seeing um, Otto. There, there were mascots. Right, was, uh, right. No live bears anymore. No live bears. Interesting. So, doing the, the reporting for this story, what uh, has it has it colored your your view of the university or um, any sort of the the overall practice of live mascot keeping as as happens still happens to this day and many other. It's obviously not. It's such a, like an incarcerated state, but I actually got a wild dose of school spirit. As I was diving into this, mm. um, there was a lot of articles, and especially the 20s and the 30s, about a lack of school spirit and how students needed to turn this around. And one solution, bears. A, ra- a certain kind of rallying cry. Oh, yeah. Uh, or a cause. I don't know. Or a rallying roar, maybe. There you go. <laughs> so that was Ryan O'Connell, who wrote this week's cover story in the Montana Common. It's called Please Feed the Bears. Um, you can read it online at montanacommon.com, or you can pick up a copy of the paper around campus. Ryan, thanks for coming in. Thanks, John. So again, that was Ryan O'Connell regaling us with a select few of his bear stories that he uncovered. He's got plenty more in that cover story, so you should definitely check that out on montanacommon.com. That's going to be it for this quick little bonus episode, but we do have a proper episode coming out later this week um, which I will just tease for you it's about sex robots and Steve Bannon so you're not going to want to miss that thanks for tuning in